Hey guys, I got to tell you, I am excited. And I know I say that a lot, but I like, I'm really excited for uh, you guys to listen to our guest today. Uh, my man, Bryce Henson, uh, he is the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. And many of you guys know that I've been following Bedros for a number of years here. Uh, I've done uh, done a lot of the things that he suggested. I admire his, uh, I might, I admire Bedros and the way, what he's accomplished, but, uh, I really, really enjoyed my interview with Bryce, man. He, he exposes his childhood and the challenges that he was faced with, but what you're going to take away from this are so many great nuggets about how do you overcome setbacks? How do you overcome challenges? You know, what do you do when maybe the vision of what you thought was going to happen, uh, changes and another door and another opportunity, uh, uh, comes your way. And, uh, man, I gotta tell you, you are going to just enjoy this conversation with my man, Bryce Henson. You're listening to Leading and Living with Impact and Influence, where we walk with leaders to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. Well, hey, let's get into this, dude. Uh, well, first of all, I, I really am excited uh, to have you on. And I know that like people can say that all the time, but like I have been following Fit Body Bootcamp for um, for a couple years now, obviously just eating up anything that Bedros has to say. We've got a lot of connection between friends and mutual people. Uh, and, and you've just kind of come into my world recently, Bryce, uh, with your podcast, the Franchise Fitness uh, Podcast. And I've just really enjoyed not only the guests, of course, that you have on, but man, you do such a great job of just getting into the nitty gritty with entrepreneurs. And I'm so honored and glad to have you on our show because we're going to get into the nitty gritty about your life and your rise to now become the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp, dude. So thanks for being here. Josh, absolutely love it, my friend, and uh, short friends for sure, but uh, certainly kindred spirits that I can tell this relationship's going to last a long time. So I'm here to serve and I'm very grateful to be here, my friend. Yeah, thanks, my man. Well, let's let's get into this. Um, you are a graduate of MSU. Uh, you, uh, I mean, you're the, the things that you've done in your life, like you've been over in Brazil, you met your wife now from Brazil, you speak Portuguese, you live now in California. Like, how did that journey get to get to California, man. I mean, as a, as a Midwest guy, like the opportunities for us to get to those warmer climate States doesn't happen very often. No, not at all. Well, uh, if you'd be so kind, I'll actually give you my origin story, which yeah. will actually um, lay the foundation. And then from there, we can talk about my, you know, Michigan experience and then shooting off to California. But uh, I typically say that I'm from the Midwest and that would be partly true. I spent 11 uh, years there in Michigan as you teed up. Um, but originally I'm actually from the deep South of Atlanta, Georgia. When I was a little guy, I used to talk with a, a thick Southern draw and yeah, actually very <laughs> humble beginnings. Um, yeah. My first house was a trailer park. Uh, which is mind blowing, uh, but ultimately that's how my story started. Mm -hmm. And not to say that my my parents actually came from both uh, good families, uh, but there was just a small little issue, um, you know, with my father growing up. As it turns out, he was a drug addict, he was addicted to gambling, and he was an alcoholic as well. Mm -hmm. And Josh, I think it's fair to say, not necessarily the trifecta uh, for good family upbringing. So, yeah. you know, that all said, that was the foundation. And bless my mom's heart, you know, she put through, a, you know, put up with a lot and really tried to make it work. Uh, but ultimately, the abuse, mainly verbal, ultimately became physical. And, mm. um, 
as the story goes, my dad was out in a bender, you know, one weekend and spent, or I guess, gambled away thousands of dollars, came home in a drunken stupor. And, you know, this was, you know, situation after situation after situation. And, you know, certainly my mother was not overly pleased with this behavior with three kids at home. You know, she was a stay at home mom being out of the workforce for about a decade. And, you know, she had some you know choice words for him and uh, an argument escalated, which uh, was very common, you know, back then. And, yeah. but this time it was different. And I think it was because of the severity of what happened. My father was in a drunken rage and one thing led to another and became physical and violent. And mm. my mom ended up running upstairs, uh, fleeing for her life. And she found herself on the bed, basically with my father over her with, you know, two hands, um, choking her out and ultimately gasping for her life, really struggling for, for her own life. And by the grace of God, my little sister, who was like two at the time, came strolling by, uh, naked, distract my dad. Uh, my mom slipped his grip, her knees hit the floor, and like a bat out of hell, uh, she ran out of that door, grabbed my sister, and out that house. And my life seemingly overnight changed uh, because wow. within two short days, um, we got whisked away to Michigan, and I'm so grateful that you know my mom had family. Another reason that we went to Michigan because my grandma was an angel, and you know we could have we always had a roof over our head, but it could have been a lot worse, and yeah. probably wouldn't have been uh, that way without her. Uh, but ultimately, that was our new life, and wow. uh, it was this kind of like black and white light switch. Um, you know, it uh, it was challenging, especially when my mom had been out of the workforce a long time. We ran out of money before we ran out of month and we struggled for a long time. We lived in a very tiny three bedroom, very humble house where my grandma had a room, my brother and I had a room and my mother and my, my sister not only shared a room, but shared a bed for 10, uh, 10 years. And really it was, uh, it opened my eyes. It was a rude awakening, but it was actually medicine that was really valuable for me. And I'll, I'll share three takeaways with you and your audience, Josh, from that experience. And the first takeaway that I have for you is that work ethic is the foundation for any success. And it's not the only answer, uh, but ultimately you cannot be successful you cannot have impact. You cannot make your mark on the world unless you have a strong work ethic. And I learned that from my mother, 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 who basically her life was flipped upside down. She struggled, but ultimately she did everything that she could, raising her three kids, um, getting multiple jobs. So that was the foundation for me learning that. Um, the second point, Josh, was really the value of self-reliance. And this sounds like a very cold message. But it was a message that really I learned at a very young age and was super grateful for it, um, is that uh, no one, my friend, is coming to save you. No one is coming on yeah. a white horse ready to pick you up and save you. Uh, not your parents, not your coworker, not your family. They're there to support you, but it's up for you to save yourself. And I remember looking at myself when I was 10 years old and I just had this moment of clarity and I thought to myself, if it has to be it's up to me. And uh, that mentality actually served me well to this day. Yeah. And the last thing is the foundation of life. The happiness of life isn't necessarily monetarily. It's actually the value of relationships. And I was so grateful to have a support system in my mom and my siblings. We banded together my grandma and then, you know, some of my mom's extended family. And uh, again, going back to the point, no one's coming to save you. You must save yourself but you also have to develop and invest in relationships. And when you do, uh, not only will you win, but you'll be more fulfilled and ultimately help others in the journey. So that's basically the foundation of how I got, uh, I got wow. started in life, but uh, hopefully that can provide some good takeaways for you and your audience. Yeah, man, that is awesome. That's super powerful. And I mean, really my mind goes in so many different directions. One is uh, the, the fact that you didn't have a very healthy father figure growing up. I'm, I'm curious to know on that is, is that, was that a, well, first of all, is that still a wound not having that ever fulfilled? 
That's an incredible question. And if I would have answered the question like six years ago, I would have said no, or um, yeah, it's all, it's all good to go, you know, yeah. like all covered, but that actually wasn't the case. And yeah. um, I'm a big believer in coaching and I have a, you know, a lot of different coaches, fitness coaches, business coaches, even though I'm a coach as well, yeah. but I also have a mindset coach, which is commonly referred to as a therapist. And about five years ago, he'd asked me to do something very daring. And at first I thought he was like, uh, literally out of his mind. But when I was kind of recounting my story and kind of where I was at, he's like, Bryce, you need to lean into this and actually reach out and find your father to basically close the door on this. Yeah. And at first I didn't say no, but I was like, okay, let me think that through. And then after a few sessions, I said, you know what, Dr. Kevin, um, that sounds like a plan. And really the, the call to action, really what I was trying to get from it and the learning lesson that I took away from reaching out to him. And I ended up connecting with him. It was a very anticlimactic, you know, story. I talked to him for 11 minutes and, you know, I feel bad for him more than anything. Sure. You know, I don't hold, hold any Ill, Ill will, but what I learned from that experience is just because someone treats you one way. And even if it's negative, does not mean that you need to instill and impart that treatment on them. And going through that experience, it really like the wound healed and it, it made me better. And, and yeah. to kind of put a bow on this, I am a huge believer of stoic philosophy. And really the essence of that is the obstacle is the way. And yeah. I've done a good job in my life and I still have a long way to go, but taking challenges and actually turning to my advantage. So yeah, it's a wound. It was a wound. It sucked. You know, I wouldn't have wished it that way, but the fact that I did not have a father figure, it really opened my eyes. It gave me a lot of clarity and I wouldn't be the man that I am today mm -hmm. without that happening in my life. Yeah. Well, I think that's a powerful message right there because we know so many men are broken because of the lack of a father that they had in their life or the lack of what a true father should be at in, in their lives. And so, man, I really compliment you because a lot of people you will use that as a crutch, right? They'll use it as a woe is me, or they'll use it as a, listen, I'll never be who I could truly have been because of X, Y, Z, right? Father figure, uh, divorced parents, uh, poor, all of these things that, I mean, really that you went through, you were able to actually take the best version of that in order for it to become you and who you are today. So just really compliment. I mean, you went to, so not only that, so you didn't flunk out of school, you didn't, you know, you didn't get into, uh, uh, into, into massive trouble, which is obviously an excuse that anybody can use. You went on to MSU, man. I mean, you went into a, a powerhouse of a school and you graduated with what? Walk us through that, that, that stage of your life there. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And really to kind of hit on that point about like the victim mentality and the woe is me, um, I want to hit on that first. And it's a common feeling human nature. We've all experienced, I felt that, you felt that. Yeah. Thankfully, I've always had strong intuition. The fact that like, yeah, you can cry about your situation, but at the end of the day, if you want to be successful, you can't be a successful or a victim. You have to choose one. Yeah. So even though you feel that initially, you have to take ownership and that's actually power, uh, taking ownership of your own situation. But um, that all said, to kind of answer your direct question, um, you know, ultimately when I was 10 years old, you know, I think it was from that really eye-opening experience, I decided to make a plan to be successful. And I think it was confusion. I think it was anger. I think it was rage. But in the words of Tim Grover, who is the author of Relentless, who yeah. is uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's personal trainers uh, back in the day, he said both of these guys ended up taking that rage and actually inflicting inflicted 48 minutes of controlled rage at their uh, opponent. And control is the word there. Mm -hmm. And I really think, Josh, that's what I did. And I, I was upset. I was frustrated. But I was like, I'm going to put a plan together when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to get decent grades. I never was like an Elon Musk at school. But I decided to put decent grades together. 
I did my best I possibly could. I got myself into a really good school. Um, to your point about flunking out, shoot, man, I paid my own way. My mother did everything she possibly could. But when I was about 14 years old, she's like, Bryce, I, I can't financially support you anymore. But I think that was a gift. Mm-hmm. The fact that I saw some of my buddies, you know, their parents were writing checks, this, that, and the other. And every check that I wrote, that was my hard-earned money mm-hmm. and every loan that I paid. So I took it seriously. And uh, ultimately, that's really what forged the way through school. I think I had 17 jobs, you know, working at fast food and, you know, the franchising industry, Burger King, um, TCBY, a lot of, you know, organizations that gave me, you know, professional experience. I used to donate blood, uh, blood plasma. I mean, you know, I look at it now a little embarrassed at a minute, but it's the truth yeah. and, you know, scrappy. And that's really my, my mentality, but really that's what put me through school and, uh, you know, got me into a situation where I ended up getting an internship in Los Angeles uh, before I graduated, which turned into my full-time gig. And that's actually what the set the tone for my professional career. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, it laid the foundation for who you are and of course obviously how you've been able to become successful and 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 really fulfill a job that not a lot of people can do very well, right? The CEO now of Fit Fit Body Bootcamp, you know, that's a that that is at the one percent of the one percent uh that have opportunities to fulfill big, big jobs like that. Uh two thousand twelve, you get you become a franchise owner of one uh, fit body boot camp, but you're not settled there, but would you walk us through this? Like, how did you go through life and then realize, Hey, listen, I want to own a franchise. And I, I feel like fit body boot camp is that franchise for me. Yeah. Great question. I appreciate the research, my friend. This is great. Um, Ultimately, uh, you know, I kind of set the tone where I w- went to Michigan State. I got put myself through school, and I want to be very clear. I mean, Michigan was a great place to live, yeah. incredible people. Uh, but I think we can all agree, especially coming from the Midwest, with a lot of value. But it's also not the fitness capital of the world. Right. Um, so there I was, 21, got a job in LA. Um, f- fast food, specifically Taco Bell, was the staple of my diet. So I show up in Southern California, excited to be here. The palm trees, the blue skies, all that Southern California had to offer. Yeah. Uh, but also realizing that I'm 3000 miles from home. I don't have a good friend network. I have very little professional skills to offer the world. I don't have the energy, the excitement, the vibrance that I do today. I don't have the confidence. Sure. And the really, really, really reason that reason that was, was because of my lack of fitness. So I lived that way for about a year and a half. I, you know, had some good days, of course, but I had a lot more dark days than that. Um, but a fortuitous situation happened and a good buddy of mine from college that um, wasn't on the cover of men's health, but he could have been ended up moving to Southern California and through a long story of events ended up linking up with him. And he really laid the foundation and was really my personal trainer, my coach without that proper title um, to really put me, put myself or at least, um, yeah, put myself through an incredible physical transformation. And that's really what set the tone uh, for 2012 when you alluded to the fact that I became a franchise owner. And to kind of back that story up, once I went through my own transformation, um, I became one of the lowest performing all the way to the highest performing sales reps in my company. So I was high in life. A lot of things were going to me. I got the physique that I was looking for. Never in a million years thought I could actually make fitness a full-time gig. But when I, one, uh, I remember one time a guy walks up to me at the gym and he asked me, this is about two years after my physical transformation. He's like, Hey, Bryce, like I've been watching you. Well, he introduced himself, but he's like, I've been watching you. And, you know, I was curious how you lift that set or how you eat. And that's when the light bulb hit, like, maybe I can actually do this maybe on the part time and the nights and weekends. So I did the most logical thing possible. I you know, got certified through National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is actually our partner here at Fit Body Bootcamp is the gold standard of certified personal trainers. Mm. And uh, then I updated my Facebook profile to certified <laughs> personal trainer. I started receiving the ads from this guy named Bedros Koulian, who y'all know and love, <laughs> who's the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp. Yeah. And, 
got on his list. And that really was what set the foundation for mm-hmm. me then doing a ton of research and then investing my life savings into my first franchise location in 2012. And I guess to put up bow on it, certainly I want to open it up for any follow-up questions, but uh, open the doors, um, was incredibly excited uh, to get things going and had a lot of success within not only the first year, but really the handful of years. I scaled to multiple locations, uh, brought my family in, uh, involved, became a seven-figure earner. And that's all the highlight and that's wow. all the great stuff. But yeah. the reality, Josh, and for your audience, it, it is not all sunshines and yeah. rainbows, man. I would be lying to you if I didn't admit the fact of the first six months, I mean, there was many times I thought to myself, what did I get myself into? The mornings came super early, the evening same super late. I didn't have any uh, strong leadership skills. I was learning, you know, as I went, and I certainly had a lot of support from Bedros and the franchise, uh, but the franchise was a very different beast compared yeah. to what it is today. Yeah. Um, so I really share this with you to really put a bow on it. Well, well, that sounds all great. And yes, I mean, I feel very grateful to have a great highlight reel, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, I went through a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges, and just really because of lack of growth and learning, but I took that as advantage and I realized myself, okay, I don't know this skill. Like, how can I learn this skill? I need to listen to books and audio tapes and podcasts. I, you know, need to figure out, okay, who else, you know, is on this journey with me? Who can I learn from? Let me join Beatrice's mastermind, like the power of proximity. Um, so by listening to podcasts like this, by d- divulging information, it wasn't an on, on or off switch. It was a dimmer switch, but over the course of a handful of years, end up scaling to a handful of locations, making a really good impression on our founder, Pedros. And ultimately that laid the foundation for me then joining our headquarters team. So I, I'm really interested in knowing this. I mean, you had a, you obviously had a great work ethic going, growing up. You, you, you honed your skills, you know, being a, first of all, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is tough. I mean, there are ups and downs every single day, right? What was it that made you successful? I mean, obviously you had some good support. Obviously you're, you're, you're you've, you've got to be a relatively smart guy, right? But what was it like, if you could lean on like a couple things that you're like, the reason why I was success, successful from growing one franchise to five franchises was because of these things. Incredible question. And I actually don't even think I've been asked that, or at least in recent history, um, very candid with you. I, I always tell this to my franchisees, to my coaching clients. I am average, like God given average and pretty much across the board, average height, average weight. I mean, literally there's nothing special about this guy right here. What separates me very simply put, I am hungry. I am hungry to grow. I am hungry to learn. I'm hungry to be better. And while I didn't have all the advantages and I wasn't, my deck wasn't stacked and I didn't come from a, you know, very affluent family that provided me a ton of resources in terms of like sales and marketing training and business exposure, I'm just hungry. And, you know, I went through a very painful situation. And as Tim Grover said, I turned that pain, that frustration, that rage. And thankfully I always, and this is actually just the luck of the draw, from an intuition perspective, I always just felt, okay, even though I'm in this situation, I always had this belief that my future, okay, or my, my, I am better than my circumstances. I'm going to be more successful in my circumstances. And that hunger is really what, you know, it's kind of laid the foundation for my growth, my skill acquisition, my ability to, you know, link up with guys like you and other networks really push me up. So do you, but going into it, I just want to go just a little bit deeper here because there's a lot of people that say that they're hungry, right? There's a lot of people that, you know, they want to, they feel like this burden. This is, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm called to do, right? Did you just, were you able to adapt? Were you able to like, did it just make sense for you? Like this model, this franchise, this, uh, you know, um, this industry, 
like, was, was there something about you that you're like, you know, to be honest with you, I just learned to ask the right questions and I, I learned to overcome objections or I learned to really connect with people. Like, what was it that you felt like, because you don't rise to become the CEO of a multi-million dollar industry, first of all, on accident, but secondly, just being average. Like there's something unique and amazing about what you offer that you do probably better than 99% of everybody else. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I would push back actually a little bit in terms of the, the work ethic um, because, <laughs> and, and I would say it's a very common perception for people to think they work hard. Yeah. I'm going to freaking just put this on the table in my observation of business most people do not work that hard. Hmm. They just don't. Mm -hmm. They just don't. And people ask me, my teammates like, hey, Bryce, you're the CEO. Why don't you get it? You can come in like an hour later. Yeah, I will never, no. no one will ever beat me to the office. No <laughs> yeah. one. I'm principal alone. No yes. one will ever beat me. Yeah. I am the damn CEO because yeah. I am the first one there. Yeah. So I really want to kind of highlight the fact if you're listening to this and you think you work hard, maybe you genuinely do, but I would say you know, for all your audience listening to this, I'm talking about probably 5% of your listeners actually do. And I say this with love. Yeah. And I say this with care and respect, actually to challenge you to really do some self-reflection. But aside from that, aside from that work ethic and that hunger, I really think it's, it's the, uh, like the white, I take a white belt mentality. I real, I realized I didn't know this going in, but when I, when I first started my franchise, I was like, all right, fitness, I went through this painful situation where I wasn't fit. I didn't have confidence mm -hmm. that actually developed the passion in me to be like, okay, I'm excited now to actually give this bit of uh, gift of fitness back. So when I got in, I was thinking, okay, if I can be an awesome fitness coach, that's going to be the secret to success. And while certainly that's important when you're, when you're running a fitness um, loc location or fitness, uh, you know, a gym at the end of the day, that's just one component. You need yeah. to be able to a good marketer. You need to be able to good sales. You need to be a good leader. That's probably the biggest skill. Yeah. So Josh, once I, I think, you know, unpeeling and really the give, giving you the answer that you're really looking for, mm -hmm. I have an, a unique ability to actually humble myself, take a white belt mentality and realize, oh shoot, I had no idea that I need to be a good marketer and to be a good leader. I need to actually figure this out. I need to humble myself and actually yeah. open my mind and find the people that are better than at me at this skill. And then through the power of proximity, and again, I'm gonna hit this again, but through power of proximity, investing in relationships, I think that's the secret sauce between my hunger, between my passion and between my ability to like humble myself, yeah. learn the skill that I need to do, compound that skill, rinse and repeat. I would say probably, hopefully that's, you know, that's the truth. And hopefully that's, that's what the answer you're looking for. Yeah, no, that's good. Really. I mean, we expose that and that, I think that is awesome. I love that, that idea of putting the white belt on because you're right. When we get in positions of leadership, there's so many people that love the title. They fall in love with that position and they feel like they have to know everything, right? Cause people are coming at them at all angles with all types of questions and you feel inadequate you know, when you're not, when you don't have humility in your life. When you, when you don't know that you don't know something, you feel inadequate about that. The sooner that you can get to that point where it's like, listen, I don't need to know the answer, but I'll go find it. Or I need to really learn it. Or I got to put your, like you said, I got to put people in my life that have proximity so I can figure out the best way to do it. That's how you get success in your life. So I, I love that you were actually able to like unveil that for people. So I, I, Okay. So you got five franchises and I'm sure to a certain point you're like, dude, I can do 10, I can do 20. Like, you know, that's probably on your radar, but then you've got this amazing opportunity 
what was that? Like, walk us through that now where you're going, holy cow, I thought my life was going in this direction. I was setting myself up for this success and now I'm positioning here. Or was it always like, you know, one day, like that's the job I want right there. Oh, incredible question. No, it wasn't one day I want that specific job. Uh, although, because that's super specific, right? And right. I think there's definitely power and clarity. Yeah. But also too, the message I want to you know share with your audience is you do not have to have it all figured out. Yes, you have to have a vision. You have to have a framework of what you're looking for. But a lot of times like your vision will create, you'll, it will, you'll have more clarity in your vision as you take more steps, you get more clarity, more clarity. In fact, from day one, before I signed the franchise paperwork, my vision was 10 locations. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was my vision. Okay. 10 locations and be a massive, massively successful fitness business owner. Fitness changed my life. I'm going to go ahead and dominate the path. So as I'm away to your point of five locations and I get the call from, uh, you know, Bedros, who at that point in period, period of my life, he, you know, I wasn't best friends with him, but it certainly had, you know, developed a very strong relationship in the last five years because proximity is power. I invest in the brand. I was an evangelical person, in the brand. I recruited yeah. other owners, even though that wasn't, you know, my job title because I was, you know, dominating my path ahead. And again, uh, there's, let me take this back. There's a saying that I really love and there's uh, money in the transaction but there's wealth in the relationship. And I've mm. always been like a relationship guy. So because I had a strong yeah. relationship, I got the call from B. And interestingly enough, though, to really kind of full un- unveil the kimono, when he offered me the position, I did not accept at first. I didn't decline it, yeah. but I wasn't like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do because I had my vision set. This is, yeah. you know, I'm a hard charging entrepreneur. So it took me probably about a course of maybe four or five conversations with B over the course of three months to really actually dive deep and really make sure this was the opportunity I want um, because it was a shift. But actually, Josh, it's interesting how you have to have vision, yeah. but ultimately it can actually manifest itself, the details a little bit you know, differently totally. than you actually thought. And as it turns out, I have actually hundreds of locations. Yeah. And that was my mindset. I was like, yeah. all right, well, I'm doing great things at a local level, even though that wasn't my initial plan. Cause my initial plan was to open locations, but I thought I was going to be the owner operator. Yeah. But then I realized when the opportunity came to me because of planning and preparation, because of the relationships and skill acquisition, I ended up, what, what really was the deciding factor was I took a st- step back and I said, Oh shoot, the vision looks a little bit, the details look a little bit different, but the vision stays remain. I can actually have the biggest impact and the most amount of people if I actually step into this vice president role, which then ended up leading me to the CEO role. So yeah. um, that's really how it all went down. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you sell the franchises that you that you had that you currently had, or how did did you keep them under the umbrella in a different way? Oh, great question. So um I when I started, I had a handful, as you know, and currently I have one. So I still okay. have one uh, location, which I plan on for the long-term foreseeable future. And the reason I say this is it allows me to have skin in the game. Yeah. Um, not only am I the CEO, I, I represent our leadership team, our whole headquarters team, but I also can see the business from an owner, yeah. from a coach, and also from a client perspective, because I still get in a couple of different workouts on a weekly basis on a set schedule. Yeah. So I can see the business both from the CEO and also from a client level. Yeah. So that's really benefited me. But also to your point, um, there's something very powerful about the singularity of focus. And I realized very quickly, even actually before COVID, which is when I transferred my first location, and then the other few actually happened uh, after location. And interestingly enough, 
the last deal closed two weeks ago, which is my first location, my flagship, which I opened in 2012, just found two incredible ladies, uh, two incredibly strong women to overtake that location, uh, which is going to be a win for them. It's going to be a win for our clients. It's going to be a win for me and our brand. So I still have one, but to your point, you know, singularity focus is important. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I know that we could go on for like hours and I have so many questions, but I want to focus a little bit now on, you know, as the CEO uh, of this company, what is it that you didn't know? Like, what is it now that you're like, holy crap? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I was running a company. I was running multiple companies. This is different. Like, th- I-, I did not know that I'd be either doing this or that or behind the behind the curtain, right? I was talking about this, like, you know, what's behind the curtain? Like, we're going to get you exposed to it. What is it now that you're realizing that you never did before? Whew. Man, this is fire right here. Um, the I, I know immediately. Okay. So for ten years, well, I you know joined HQ team four years ago or just three and a half years ago. So for the first six years, we'll call it, I was specifically in the fitness industry. Okay, kind of like the same mentality when I came in. I was to be my first owner. I thought, okay, specifically, I'm a fitness coach. That was my mindset for a long period of time. Okay. But at the location level, what I really very quickly realized probably within the first six months to year, the first year is I have to actually become way more than just a fitness coach. I have to be a marketer. I have, and more importantly, I have to be a leader. So ultimately I started developing my leadership skills because that was the big aha, because it had the game plan. We had the systems and operations and I push everything out to my team, especially as we continue to grow. And then when I started getting resistance from my team and they didn't execute according to plan. And at first I get all mad and frustrated. Okay. It's my team's fault, this, that, and the other, but then Josh, I freaking take a step back and realize I am the problem, but I am also the solution. So ultimately I need to develop this skill set called leadership and it's a work in progress. And I can tell you, I've come so far, but I still have a long way to go, but that was the realization at a local level, but really, again, giving you a long way to answer, but really to answer, to to provide some perspective, but walking into the franchise perspective, I've been in the fitness industry for six plus years and I still am, Mm -hmm. but in the franchise uh, or our headquarters, I am now actually in the franchising industry and the franchising industry is a completely different beast. So now I have to look at it like the CEOs of McDonald's and Burger King and, you know, all the the famous franchises out. I've now had to realize, okay, shoot, there is a lot of things about the franchising industry. Kind of like when I had this epiphany that I need to, you know, learn about marketing and leadership. Now I got to learn and I certainly have learned a ton, but I still have a long way to go. I could probably be learning for another decade plus. As an example, I just connected and befriended um, the CEO of the joint chiropractic has hundreds of locations throughout North America. The guy's been in the franchising industry for 30 years. So similar to, I was like, all right, when I connect with Pedro's, this guy knows fitness. Now I'm like, all right, Peter. And certainly we're not best friends, uh, but I'm like, you got to be my best friend now because I need to learn a ton from you because I'm in the front. When I learned the franchising industry, now then I can develop our fitness industry via FitBody Bootcamp. Yeah. I love it, dude. So it kind of leads me into this next question then is like, what's the skill that you believe is the most important part for you to develop in order for you to be the best CEO now? Leadership, 1000%, yeah, 1000% full stop. And the reason is this is again, taking the, if actually you take a step back and take a white belt mentality about this situation yeah. is that I'm leading in a massive organization, hundreds of clients, hundreds of owners, hundreds of coaches, tens of thousands of clients. Okay. I can't do this all by myself. 
I am just that I'm just, that's not possible. Yeah. Like as much as I've developed myself, the reality of the situation, taking a bit of a humble pie, I can't freaking execute everything by myself. So really what that means is I need to garner the support, the camaraderie, the relationships, the trust and the buy-in of others. And really from a single perspective, that's really leadership. So yeah. through my development of leadership and really I've come a long way, as I mentioned, I still have a long way to go, but that is single-handedly the biggest skill set that I've developed and also continue to need to develop. Well, I'm glad you went really specific because we, because I think leadership gets thrown around out there with so many other words where you're like, yeah, it just takes leadership. And you're like, well, but what part of leadership do you need to develop, right? Because there's so many different aspects. There's holding accountability, there's inspiring others, there's knowing your numbers, right? There's like, there's so many different integral parts of leadership and as we know, as you continue to rise up, as you continue to level up and get into greater responsibilities, your greatest weaknesses will be exposed. And, and typically we have a tendency to, to, to run away from those, right? And so I'm, I'm really grateful that you actually got into the specifics on what your leadership looks like. Like what are the areas that you are need to white belt and be able to have some humility in? So that, that, that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. All right, so let's get into some fun stuff here because, uh, you know, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about listening to your podcast and, of course, with uh, uh, Fit Body Bootcamp is some of the great things that you do, the activities that you guys do. Uh, I know that you participated in what Bedros has now coined uh, Suckfest. <laughs> and, uh, and and there's a, you know, and it's actually, um, it comes from, a, I think it's a Japanese word called misogi, right? Exactly. Uh, and, uh, man, oh man, that was truly inspiring because I know that a lot of, a lot of people that consider themselves a leader or a lot of people that have, you know, that have responsibility and they feel, you know, they're in the corner office and they're just like, sometimes they're just alone and they need a good kick in the ass, right? They need to like level up in areas of their life. Uh, explain to, explain to our audience what Suckfest is and then obviously i'd love to know like what did you gain from it totally love this uh well i'm actually going to answer the latter part first and i give this keynote actually um talking about the three p's which is pain passion and purpose you actually have to go through a lot of pain to develop a passion and to give you clarity on the purpose. And that's the framework that I've operated in my life. And that's actually the framework of Masogi. Masogi is that Japanese word that's actually adopted by the samurais. And the vision behind it is at the very end of the year, you're gonna assign yourself a task or a project or something that's really super painful, but that'll humble you and it'll give you clarity. And also to respect and appreciation for all the blessings in your life, but also set the tone for personal growth in the future. And yeah. uh, Bedros uh, took that, he's an incredible leader, incredible uh, marketer as well. And actually before the SecFest 2, which you're referring to, which we did a mile and uh, like 1500 uh, sets, it was ridiculous. It took like 12 hours. Um, it was a gong show, um, but it was extremely, extremely, um, you know, enlightening, if you will. Yeah. But even the year before, it could, well, before I hit that, we probably had close to 100 people doing it with us, not only in person in Chino Hills, which is where Pedro's gym was at, yeah. uh, but also, you know, virtually throughout all, not all continents, but close. So it was a really cool experience. But the year before was actually the first Suckfest when was, there was only a handful of us. And Bedros had this, you know, idea. He learned of the concept and was like, hey, hey guys. And he invited all of our HQ team, five of us put our hand up and we decided to hike. Um, this is actually yeah. in the December of 2020 of the pandemic. And that's yeah. actually technically Suckfest one. So yeah. we hiked 
um, for 16 hours, like 37 miles through the rolling hills of Chino Hills, California, which is very beautiful, but very hilly. This is in the middle of the pandemic, ridiculous that our governor put like a curfew event. So we got pulled over over by the police. The police didn't care though. They were just like, wanted to make sure they were safe. Uh, but that was the first introduction to Suckfest. And of course, and this is a great learning lesson for your audience, especially if you're business entrepreneurs and you're like, you know, launching things. The first launch, okay, <laughs> you might not get all the people you want to. Okay? It's not about the first thing. It's about yeah. consistency because for launch one, we had five and launch two, we had a hundred. Yeah. And then of course, next year, we're probably going to have hundreds of, of people joining on board. Yeah. So th- I think there's a huge takeaway there. Yeah. Uh, but I think the biggest, you know, uh, piece of clarity for me, why I did it. Number one, pain provides clarity and to kind of go through like an intentional suffering. One builds more confidence, gives you clarity. I also want to support B. I'm just being very candid with yeah, you. I know it. it's going to be a very challenging situation. When you go through hardships and adversity together, yeah. you build the relationships and I'm a relationship guy. Um, so there's a few takeaways that I have. Uh, I love that, dude. I'm really glad you ended up that to do because sometimes it is just about that support, right? Somebody has a great idea you're not quite sure if this is the best idea to be doing, but listen, I love you enough that I'm going to support you and I'm going to walk with you through that, right? And when you can do that, man, that is like the bond that we, I think that most of us, especially, I mean, it, it crosses, but I think just men are always looking for that bond. And just like you said, it's usually through hard, challenging stuff that we have, we create those greatest bonds. So uh, that's awesome, man. When you can find somebody to go to battle with, go to war with, that is, uh, there's nothing better than that. So. Well, speaking of which, I mean, and it's very famously known, you know, the famous movie blockbuster band of brothers. I and mean, yeah. when you go actually to like a military situation, this is why when like the Navy SEALs and the Marines, when they go out to combat and when you hit real big adversity together, that bonds you way more than the comforts of your own home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of more pain, let's talk about cold plunges. I freaking love the ice barrel. Like I am like obsessed with it. And, uh, I, I just happened to see a video that you were doing. You, you kind of do a talk on yours, but you do it about what, six days a week is that I think is kind of what you said typically, right? You yep. do it for three minutes. That's exactly, I used to do it for five. I do it for three now. Uh, when did you start and why did you start this? Yeah. Incredible question. Um, I first learned of actually cold plunging or cold therapy like seven or eight years ago. Um, originally, Joe Rogan, the, the infamous Joe Rogan, yeah, yeah. was a huge believer of that. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, through a, a, a former client at my first location, which is the one that I just sold, who ended up becoming a business partner, we actually launched a cryotherapy business, which is actually not not a, a cold plunging or a, yeah. a water tank, but it's yeah. basically a dry treatment. Yeah. So we launched it uh, for a few years and it was a great business. That's how I kind of got hooked to cold treatment therapy and cryotherapy. Uh, we ended up winding the business down. It was profitable, but going back to the single area of focus, uh, we realized that we could actually you know, increase our profitability just by focusing on a single area of focus. Focus, but that's actually how I first got turned on to it. And then, um, you know, very candidly, logistically, it worked out where uh, about six months ago, at the uh, end of 2021, um, ended up moving into uh, a bigger space. And uh, my, my house now has a pool. And while California is beautiful, has incredible weather, the more it has very dry weather compared to the yeah. rest of the country. Yeah. So in the mornings and the evenings, it gets very cold, even in the summer. The, the water is frigid, and I purposely don't heat it. Um, so I knew I had this. Base, um, you know, ultimately, I also know of the very big value uh, 
benefits that it provides the body, reduction of inflammation, increased immunity. I mean, the list goes on of all the health benefits it has, mm -hmm. but also, but also Josh being very candid with you, the biggest reason I do it to this day, when I take my cold plunge in the morning is for the mental benefits, because yeah. it, it sets myself apart. It kind of like talk, I talked about the hunger. It gives me the edge because I know that very few people are willing to submerge themselves for three minutes, freaking cold water. No yeah. one's watching only you and yeah. I, Josh, are, yeah. you know, know this to be true when we do it. Um, and that really sets the tone both from a physical perspective, but mostly from a mental perspective yeah. uh, to dominate the day. Love it, dude. Ah, absolutely love it, man. I, I, there's, speaking of bonds, it's like, to me, it's always when I find somebody else that puts them through themselves through that discomfort, it's like, okay, there's something about you that I can relate to. And I love it. So a uh, huge, huge, huge respect for you to do that, man. Um, hey, listen, I'm going to, I got a couple more questions so we can uh, kind of just wrap this up. I know your time is tremendously valuable. I'd love to know uh, from your perspective, um, where do you think the fitness industry is going? You know, we're spending you know, billions of dollars on supplements now, right? We know that through COVID obesity with children has doubled. It went from 19% to almost 40% of children are considered obese now through the, uh, through COVID. We know that, uh, uh, adult obesity is up to almost 40%. It's like 37 point something right now. I mean, it almost feels like we're going in the wrong direction. And this is your industry. This is your passion. This is something that you've experienced um, traumatic, uh, uh, tremendous uh, uh, transformation. And where do you feel it's going to go from here? Yeah, incredible question. And holy smokes, man, we are seriously facing a major health crisis for sure. And, um, you know, for as tough as COVID was, the reality situation, if you look back, you just threw some scary stats. Yeah. Um, the same amount of people actually died from COVID as obesity over the last two years, roughly yeah. 6 million. But what's worse and what's even sad, uh, sadder, out of those 6 million people who passed away from COVID, studies have shown that I've reviewed oh, uh, upwards of 80% of those COVID fatalities were people who are obese. Because, yes. you know, it's not even about the vanity perspective, yeah. the, the aesthetic. It's like when you have more weight on your body, every organ in your body, including your heart, has to work harder. Yeah. Um, so ultimately your immune system is compromised uh, just from that level. So, you know, what I'd like to think and what I see happening in the fitness industry, um, the big box gyms versus basically, you know, access to weights, um, you know, they're shrinking and they will continue to do so because really coaching and accountability is the, is the only way. I mean, human yeah. nature, we live in a time of abundance, even though it's crazy. If you look back at, you know, humankind and even the poorest of poor have more technology than the president of the United States, like in 1980 when Ronald Reagan. So we are living in a time which will continue of abundance. And what happened, the problem with abundance is, and I, I'm a very bullish on human nature. I love humanity. I love human nature, yeah. but, all, but a very critique about human nature is humans, myself included, naturally default the path of least resistance. At yeah. the end of the day, sugar tastes way bit more, uh, way better than that lean, you know, salad of protein. Um, so ultimately, that you know, th that struggle will continue. Um, but fitness co coaching will continue to be on the rise because that's actually get what's what gets the best results yeah. from an accountability perspective. But also too, you know, and Josh, I mean, we're we're in this fight together, and certainly, you know, we're in the personal growth, you know, uh, you know, journey together as well. Yeah. But from a fitness perspective. Um, um, while those stats are scary and we pride ourselves in developing, you know, the best systems and continue to level up, 
the reality of the situation is, uh, is the people in pain, the people going through this problem, they have to put their hand up. And I'll yeah. leave you with the story that we really articulate to our owners and our clients. And I watched this on YouTube, it was a uh, Russell Brunson video, and someone asked him about, you know, all his incredible marketing genius, all the products and services that he puts out to the world. And he said, Russell, you, you have, um, you know, you impact so many lives. Like there's so many entrepreneurs that take your content, execute, there's also a lot of people that purchase your programs that actually do nothing with it. They don't get the results. Like, how can you quantify that? And he actually pulled up a story, one of his buddies in the Coast Guard. And he said, you know, it's a very humbling situation in the Coast Guard when there's, you know, Coast Guard is like overseas and pr protects the waters. When they see a capsized boat and they see a bunch of people and they get called to duty and, and the helicopter goes out and basically goes out for the search and, and rescue team to search the, the people in the water. And it's a very humbling moment when the Coast Guard realized there's more bodies in the water than they have spots in the helicopter. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, who do you save first? Mm -hmm. And the answer, the people swimming towards the helicopter are the people that you save first. Mm -hmm. So my mission, my vision, my value, my purpose is really to inspire fitness, change lives and really rid of the obesity pandemic. But what I know to be true is we're going to do everything we can day in and day out, burning the midnight oil to make our program, make our offering and really influence others do the same. But it's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to humanity to swim towards that helicopter of fitness. And I'm bullish on it. It's I'm awesome. bullish on that trend. But that's the reality of the situation. Great story. Dude, that is powerful, man. That was awesome. I think right there, I don't think we can say anything better to, to, <laughs> to, to end this, man. Dude, I, I really appreciate the time. Loved having you uh, on here. Thank you for just, uh, just, just kind of exposing who you are what you've gone through, the challenges that you've been faced with. We, I know, I know there's a lot of other things. So I'd love to, I'd love to have you back on. We can talk about sobriety. We can talk about other challenges and things that you've overcome and how you've continued to lead. Uh, so if, if there's an opportunity for that, man, I'd love to, to have you on again, but man, thank you. This was awesome. This was great. Absolutely, my friend. And I say this, and this is not just pumping pumping uh, air in your tires. You know, I've been had the privilege and honor to be interviewed quite often and extensively over the last you know couple of years here. Yeah. This is one of my top interviews, man. You are so well prepared. This is you're natural, and certainly I I don't like that word actually because I know you put a ton of preparation. Sure. But uh, kudos to you, and I, if I can support you and your show anytime, I'm certainly happy to. And I'm excited to get you out in Southern California later this year to get you on ours as well. Yeah, man, absolutely honored for that opportunity, brother. Uh, where can people uh, find you? How can they follow you? Uh, because I know that people are just, uh, there's no doubt that you're going to be impacting our, our audience's lives here. Absolutely. I'd love to continue to serve. I mean, brand wide, if you're interested in, you know, getting fit or potentially uh, starting your own fitness business and being a partner at Fit Body Bootcamp, would just go to our website, which is fitbodybootcamp.com. And uh, ultimately, I'd love to connect with you per on a personal level. And my handles, uh, my social media handles on Facebook, Instagram, um, and LinkedIn are Real Bryce Henson, not to be confused with fake Bryce Henson. That's where you can find me. You can also go to realbrycehenson.com and uh, would love to stay in touch. And then you've also got the podcast, which is awesome too. You want to promote that for us as well? No, I appreciate that, my friend. Uh, the Fitness Franchise Podcast. So if you go to my website, realbrycehenson.com, um, it links there, or you can go to fitnessfranchisepodcast.com and yeah. uh, would love to continue to add value. And assuming that you get to that show, you'll see Josh uh, and I kind of uh, shoot a show later this year. Yeah. Awesome, my man. Well, dude, once again, appreciate you. This has been phenomenal. All right, guys, you guys know, like, listen, we don't, uh, the only call to action, the only thing that we talk about is that you spread the word on this, man. Bryce's message has got to get out there as he's talking 
talked about there. Like we know that the that the state of where we're at as a as a healthy society, we need more people swimming to that helicopter. And you can do that by sharing this episode. So absolutely love you. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon.